0: Welcome to the EO Podcast, where we amplify and celebrate all forms of employee ownership.
1: Hello, my friends. Thanks for listening. My name is Brett Kiesling, and as it says on my business cards, I'm a passionate advocate for employee ownership. Today, we're bringing you part two of our conversation with David Hinkepee, who's an economic development specialist with the Small Business Administration's Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Office. This continues from last week, Episode 125. If you haven't done so already, you may want to circle back and listen to Episode 125 before this one. Although you'll certainly be able to follow the conversation here, last week's episode does lay a lot of groundwork on the SBA, its district offices, two major SBA funding sources, and small business development centers. All of that features prominently in this episode. Also, in episode 125, David shares his EO aha moment when he realized that employee ownership was something special. Several times in today's episode, we're going to mention past podcast guests. You can find episode 125 and all of the previous podcast episodes that we reference wherever you get your podcasts, or at www.esoppodcast.com. Today, you'll hear David and I discuss how EO advocates and practitioners can utilize the SBA to build employee ownership and or their own EO and ESOP practices. As you'll tell from the excitement in our voices, we both get really excited discussing various new possibilities for growing the EO Sandbox. I do want to give you a heads up. We recorded this in person last week in Washington, D.C., several days after the November general election. As you may have heard, Washington was kind of crazy last week. So several times during the podcast, you'll hear sirens in the background. I want to apologize in advance, particularly since even as I edited this episode, twice I muted the volume to make sure sirens weren't right outside my door. With that... I hope you enjoyed this important conversation. Where do we go from here? We have teed it up very greatly that there are products available that we're not making use of. You see an important interaction between the SBA, the communities, and employee ownership and kind of an untapped path forward to create demand. The SBA is willing to do the supply. Mm. We need to create the demand that's right. Can you talk a little bit about how you flesh out the various pieces coming together to increase demand?
0: Yeah. Well, I learned a lot in the first, my, you know, I was learning my SBA, my other SBA work, but then my district director and district deputy director, they said, uh, well, clearly you're very interested in this. So I guess you can be our guy (laughs) for employee ownership in the district office. So, um, so that was part of my job then to learn everything. And so I immediately, uh, started to plan information sessions uh, you know but i didn't know who to talk to first so i talked to the sbdcs and the sbdcs which is the
1: small business development yeah, center small
0: business development centers so an explanation the, the small business development centers have been around uh, effectively as long as the sba and they are uh, independent nonprofit organizations they're 501c3s that win an sba grant and sign a cooperative agreement with us to provide certain services and resources. Primarily, the SBDC advisors who any business person or person who wishes to start a business can walk in or call in these days and get free advice from a business advisor on how to start a business and how to grow a business. Now, they're all over the country and they are one of the SBA resource partners and the one that's mentioned in the legislation. So I went to the SBDCs locally here, uh, the DC SBDC, the ones in Virginia and the ones in Maryland, and said, do you guys know what an ESOP is? Some of them did. Some of them didn't. Okay. Uh, there's this new legislation. The SBDCs are specifically mentioned. They're going to be asking you to uh, talk about employee ownership as a business succession option. This, this is language that's straight out of the legislation. And you know, some of them knew about it, some of them didn't know, most of them didn't know about it. Okay, so I would like to start talking about this to people in the business community, the small business community, uh, or community of small business owners in this district office area. And I started planning these information sessions, and uh, I had a couple of them poorly attended, um, but I learned quite a bit about What's difficult about getting this to happen, creating a groundswell? Um, and so I came up with what, what I think are five groups. You have to have five groups all working in concert. They are, I call them the service providers, it means the lawyers, the lenders, the trustees. You know they're easy to convince to be uh, excited about this because they, they they're all going to be working in that and that's what they make their, their living doing. The lender, oh, the lenders is the second one. They're not in the service providers. The lenders are, are the other ones. They're going to be making the loans. Then there's the field offices or district offices of the SBA where I work, right? They because the district offices are the are the primary points of contact for all the SBA lenders. If the SBA lenders are doing a lot of ESOP lending and or cooperative lending, then the district offices are aware of it, right? We're going to be talking about it to them. They're going to be talking about it to us. we were necessarily connected. Then there's the SBDCs. That is also a connection that must happen and will happen because very often lenders work with SBDCs for small businesses. They sometimes require a borrower to go to an SBDC and get business advisor advice so that borrower becomes a good enough business owner to repay the loan because let's be frank, that's what lenders care about, getting repaid. So any resource that exists, if if I'm a borrower and uh, Bank A lends me uh, $2 million, if there's a resource that can help me become a better business owner to manage the business and, and keep the cash flow going so I can repay the loan, the banker's gonna tell me to go to them. the the SBDCs. So that's four of them. All four of them are easy to get involved and easy to get excited. What's the fifth one? Owners. How do you find them? This is what I found was a big obstacle. Where are they? Well, let's stop and consider for a moment. We're looking at a business that might sell for $7 million. So what's its revenue? Maybe it's doing a million dollars a year. Okay. So think of a small business that does a million a year in revenue. That's a very busy business owner. They might not even have too many employees. They might have only four or five employees. So that doesn't sound like a good candidate for an ESOP in the first place. Maybe they're better as a worker cooperative. Right. Right. So you talk to this business owner who's probably wearing three or four hats, uh, doing three or four different jobs within it. Anytime you call them talking to them about something, it's just a sales call and they're going to hang up. So If you're an ESOP lawyer, and uh, you know, even if you're a lawyer with a great heart and they do exist, um, uh, rare though they may be, and and they, they <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> practice law, but as a law school graduate, uh, I, I think I just need to
1: acknowledge uh, yeah. the cheap shot you yeah, took at right. my colleagues. <laughs> so, um, uh,
0: they you know, if they if they call up trying to help someone and say, hey, look, you don't have a succession plan, if you liquidate, you're not going to make any money for your retirement you deserve a better retirement how about working to sell this to the owner to the to the employees that's just a sales call and they're going to ignore you so, it's, so you see the difficulty in reaching a business owner let's move on to a business owner that's that's going to sell maybe for 20 million okay that's a little bit more uh, sophistication in the business they've got more revenue maybe they've got a, a management team that uh, can be the leaders of the new
1: organization that's bought by the employees and there's a lot of stuff in terms of Mm -hmm. they've got the financial reporting already Mm -hmm. set up they've got the historicals Mm -hmm. blah 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 the projections all the stuff that you need you're just a little more likely to have that at 10 or 20 million dollars worth of revenue
0: exactly and the thing is they are still busy so any any phone call to them from a service provider meaning a trustee a lawyer or perhaps even a lender who's saying have you considered all of this that's just another sales call so they may not worry uh, they may not want to talk about it and in which we're just dealing with also human beings because you know i'm never going to retire i'm going to do this forever you know they just don't even want to face their own retirement and then mortality so so you you how do you get people to talk about this thing that's the hard part that i found was the owners And it occurred to me, as we were speaking earlier, that there's another one, and this is the one that I think Project Equity has really, they're really specializing and going after, is the other institutions, meaning local governments and perhaps even state governments. So (laughs) cities, counties. Because I did a little survey, a little poll of economic development officials in my district office's service area. And uh, sometimes I would call them deliberately. Sometimes we would be in a meeting for something else, some other event or some other business exposition of some kind or conference. And I'd say, hey, do you know, what do you, what do you know about employee ownership? I'd ask them. And they knew almost nothing. I said, you have this many small businesses in this county. You know, And we know roughly half of small businesses nationwide. So this is an assumption. Let's say we're talking about Montgomery County. Let's make the assumption that roughly half of all small businesses in, uh, in the United States are owned by baby boomers. Let's make the assumption that's roughly half in Montgomery County as well. Well, that's this many businesses. So these people are going to be retiring. What are they going to do? Who are they going to sell these businesses to? And every single local person I talk to had no answer. They never even considered the problem. Over here in Arlington, for example, famously, they, they they won the competition to get Amazon to come over here, right? I talked to them about this. They weren't thinking about it. They were thinking about getting Amazon over there. So... <laughs> So what are you going to do when all these businesses shut down? What are you going to do? I would ask this question of them and they didn't have an answer. And so we would agree to continue discussing it and talk more. And this is, this seems like what project equity has done is focus on local governments, counties and going to them and saying, you have a situation. Have you considered it? So they, uh, I was, I guess about a year and a half ago, they did um, a study for the city of long beach in uh, LA County in Los Angeles County in California. And Long Beach is the second largest city in Los Angeles County, the largest being the city of Los Angeles. And they discovered some some interesting statistics. I don't remember them exactly offhand right now, but I remember it was roughly 40% of the small businesses employ 60% of the people employed in small businesses. And they produce something around two-thirds of the small business revenue.
1: 40% 40 of the small business. Employ 60% and produce two-thirds of Of the the revenue. Of the
0: revenue, right? And so I don't don't actually know how Project Equity and Long Beach, the city of Long Beach, got connected, but they did that study because clearly somebody in the city of Long Beach was thinking, what are we going to do with all these small businesses? If they don't find buyers... They're going to shut down. If they shut down, suddenly we have all these unemployed people in the city of Long Beach or people who commute to the city of Long Beach, which then affects the surrounding communities. If you have hundreds of people losing their jobs in the next five years. So their approach, that's the other institutions, right? The institutions are the field offices, us, the SBA, the SBA is an institution as a whole. The SBDCs are the institutions, but then also local government and counties and cities, uh, they are concerned about this because they have to have a way of ensuring that these jobs stay in these places if these are businesses they wish to remain open in, that are providing good jobs, that are sustainable businesses, etc.
1: That are less likely to move out of the area if they're employee-owned than being acquired. David, let me just throw in for listeners, Project Equity is doing amazing things. And this past May in 2020, I had two separate episodes. Allison Allen Gain and Hilaria Bell are the founders of Project mm-hmm. Equity. And folks can hear more about what they're doing. And you're right, it's it's time with the local governments. And what I like about their approach to finding businesses, and I think it's fascinating that the biggest challenge that you found is where are the businesses? Because that's kind of the holy grail we're chasing. What struck me as really brilliant and new with project equity is by tying up with municipal governments, and I believe they're also uh, down in the Miami area in Florida, it's the county government that is sending out the notice to business owners and saying, hey, maybe you should consider employee ownership, we're gonna put something on with project equity. But when that business owner gets something from a government entity, mm-hmm. that's more right. – that, that's taking it out of that sales call right. that you would talk right. about of, hey, mm-hmm. just want to sell your business. Yeah. This is the government not pushing you for employee ownership but saying, hey, this is a good deal. One other um, – and it ties into the SDBCs. One other guest that, that I've had and we talk about his work uh, with regularity is Steve Storkin of the Employee Ownership Exchange – in addition to Project Equity, one of our guests in the past was Steve Storkin of the Employee Ownership Exchange, mm-hmm. and he—they're just doing gangbusters. They're opening up in a variety of states with another more underway. Can you talk a little bit? I know that that Steve and you are friends and you've been in touch. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what you've seen of their work?
0: Yes. So, so what I learned is that they're—they're they're opening up. They're trying to get uh, when I when the last time we met actually, he was telling me that the, the the goal is to have an employee ownership center in every state. And some states already have them, so in the states that don't have them, right? And he was working at the time on Georgia, North Carolina, and North Carolina opened up. I talked to the woman who was the head of that one. Claire Broughton. Yes, exactly. And so um, she was telling me how they were just getting themselves moving. And so going back to who are the uh, – what are the five categories of groups that uh, you – that you that you have to connect to kind of create a groundswell. Is as I said, you know, there's the institutions, there's the field offices, the SBDCs, and now I'm adding to that the local governments, counties, and cities, you know, and perhaps states. Um well, when you have an employee ownership center, if that employee ownership center can quickly connect with these various institutions, so find the lenders who are interested. So for example in this district office area here uh, one of our lenders uh, has made it no- made it known to us that they are very interested in doing 7a loans for employee ownership uh, and they're happy to do them as what lenders call an airball which means uh, no fixed assets for for um, security right wow. no, no collateral right they're willing to do it as an airball so they're doing it on the strength, the financial strength of the company, its cash flow.
1: Which we argue is the way it should be done. Right, but, right. But it's it's, it's, it's yeah. breathtaking. That's it's wonderful for, that right. it's being adopted. So
0: they, they said to us, yeah, we're, we're happy to do it as an airball. And we thought... Okay, that's great. Now we just got to find some some business owners who are interested in doing this because now we have a lender who's willing to look at it and we got to find a business owner and then they have the lending program through the 7A that can be part of that transaction. Okay, so you have the employee ownership centers. Find out who are the lenders who are willing to do it. You just call them up. Say, are you interested in this? Do you have anybody who does it? Do you have an ESOP lending uh, uh, group, right? Big banks do, but maybe small regional banks do as well. Maybe that group is only one or two people. Who knows? But until you call them and find out, you won't know what lenders are willing to do it. So you get in touch with them. Then you have to find, you get in touch with the local SBDC. So who at the SBDC knows anything about this? If they don't know anything about this, teach them. There you go. Now, The directors of the SBDCs are going to know something about this because they will have heard about the legislation saying the SBDC's got to do this. The business advisors working for those directors may not know about it, but the directors certainly know about it because it involves funding, right? So in a way here, we're appealing both to the self-interest and the institutional interests and just... The, the the social interest of the people involved. The SBDC advisors work in their communities. They're interested. They have a social interest in what happens in their community. The directors of the SBDCs have a financial and social interest as well because there's funding for them to do this work because the law says that they're supposed to do this work. So you get in touch with the SBDCs. See who at your local SBDC knows about employee ownership and who doesn't and whoever doesn't, you teach them and you offer to work with them in it. Uh, You get in touch with your local district office of the SBA. By the way, here's a little secret. Uh, (laughs) We're a public agency. We're open, which means every district office has its phone directory on the district office website.
1: So you can find somebody. You can find
0: someone. You can find anyone from the district office director down to an administrative program officer, like an administrative assistant. We're all there. We're listed, our emails and our phone numbers, right? So you call the district office and you talk to a lender relations specialist or an economic development specialist. Those are the two probably you'll be dealing with um, and say, uh, who there knows anything about employee ownership and you know the Main Street Employee Ownership Act and everything, you may well find their answer to, do you know about the Main Street Employee Ownership Act is what? They've never heard of it. But maybe they have. But the point is you begin the relationship, you begin talking to them and say, how can we work together to make this all happen? By the way, I've been in touch with Jennifer over at the SBDC. Oh yeah, I know Jennifer. We just did a conference together. Okay, great. So now two of the institutions you're connected to. Then you get all that together and you go to the economic, an economic development officer at your county, which is the thing that Project Equity is doing, right? Working with the cities or the counties. Hey, Mr. Economic Development Officer for the county of whatever in whatever state, you have this many small businesses. A lot of these are owned by baby boomers. What are they going to do when they uh, retire? And those, what are you going to do about those jobs? Have you thought about this? Well, no, I haven't thought about it. Oh, well, that's interesting. Okay. Well, look, as it happens, I know so-and-so over at the SBA district office. We've been in touch with the, with Jennifer over at the SBDC, and we have an idea for how to get in touch with business owners about this. Now, you're at the county, which means you're probably in, in economic development. You're probably in touch with a lot of business owners, too. So let's all get together. It seems to me that by bringing the institutions together along with the advocates, all talking about the same thing at the same time, you can get some movement
1: on this. What I think is brilliant about this, David, is first of all, it's networking 101 mm. is what you're talking about. And, and it started to hone in when you said mention the SDBC to the SBA, and right. you're like, oh, I know Jennifer, you know, whatever yeah. name you use. Yeah. To me, and you mentioned get the advocates involved, even if you're a practitioner, and and, and, and for those listening, um, our good friend Jen Krieger is a valuation advisor down in Texas. She's on the podcast a lot. Not to pick on Jen, but for example, if she were to reach out, make contact as the SBA. No pending transaction at the moment, but just make contact. Make contact with the SBDC. Mm -hmm. And by the way, Jen is involved in the EOX uh, New State Center in Texas, so that's actually a great imprimatur, yeah. Now, Jen, when she's prospecting for transactions, and every professional and what I call the emerging professionals who want to be like Jen, mm-hmm. now you're going to potential clients and saying, by the way, I've got somebody at the SBA, the SBDC, mm-hmm. all of these different pieces together, tie the lenders, mm-hmm. build your relationship. And now, as you're trying to sell a package uh, or a transaction, all of our thinking has been, hey, valuation advisor, bring a team together, trustee, lawyer, mm-hmm. practitioners. Mm-hmm. Now what you're suggesting is now gather a team together, but have it be the, the either the advocates or the agencies or yes. the, the private public partnerships like the SPDCs. Right. Bring those together. And by the way, if you're a selling shareholder where you talked about the vast majority of these contacts are treated as sales calls because mm-hmm. they are, right? Well, now you're able to say, hey, I just want to talk about selling your business and I'm going to introduce my, you to my friends at the SBA, the SBDC, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's no longer just a sales call. You've yeah. evolved it.
0: Yeah, there's an SBDC advisor at, uh, at the, the SBDC here in, uh, in Leesburg, Virginia, in Loudoun County, uh, a guy named Eric. He's a really great guy. He's the, the director of the center uh, there, like the, the manager of the center there and that's how i imagine it working is eric knows a lot of the a lot of the people a lot of the business owners uh, at some point one of them this may come up in conversation and eric will say to them well you know d- talk to david over at the district office about you know he's from the sba and then he's going to talk to me and i'm going to say to him all right i'm going to give him the rundown this is what employee ownership is this is what, how an esop works basically this is what's involved in the transaction but if you're really interested in this uh, you should talk to one of the practitioners who's actually going to get involved. So if, if I happen to know uh, your friend from Texas, let's say she was in this area, or I happen to know Chris, that's an actual lawyer out in McLean, Virginia here, who's an ESOP lawyer, or I happen What's this to... What's his last name? Do you know? Uh, M- uh, McLean. Oh, Chris McClain. Chris McLean. Yeah. I'm sorry. Chris well, McLean. no, he lives in McLe- It's pronounced McLean. That I learned this because I came. I'm a, I'm a newcomer to DC. So McLean, Virginia is m- pronounced McLean, but it's, it's spelled McLean. And Chris McLean. McLean goes by the the pronunciation McLean, even though it's spelled the same. Anyway,
1: and Chevy Chase, Maryland had nothing to do with Saturday Night Live. No, nothing at all. No, <laughs> sorry.
0: So, so, so I. So when I'm talking to this business owner, I, you know, the business owner heard about me from the SBDC advisor. He trusts me. I'm in the SBA. I'm not going to sell him something. I'm going to tell him, listen. I know there's a lender because I told you I, there's a lender in our district office who's willing to do one of these loans. Airball, right? Uh, and so. I say like, look, this is a lender you might talk to, but maybe go to the, to the banker that you've been banking with for 20 years. Go there first, but I do know another one. Um, and also I happen to know an ESOP lawyer. I'm not recommending him. I'm not allowed to do that. I work for the SBA. I'm just saying, I know an ESOP lawyer. He's a good guy. He's not gonna charge you anything to talk to him and go can, can, and explain a little bit about ESOPs to you, right? I also know uh, a couple of ESOP advisor, um, trustees, right? So if we all know each other, when that business owner is looking for information that's impartial, that doesn't feel like a sales call, if we all know each other, we can all help that person and then accomplish the larger goal of helping them find a buyer for a business so that he doesn't liquidate and everybody loses their jobs.
1: Which is the exact same result as if it were a sales call, but we have a much higher purpose. Yes. We have the good of the society <laughs> right. on right, So right. it's a sales call. One of the things... Uh, <laughs> sticking serious because this actually is very important and and I'm actually very excited about it. If I were a trustee trying to build my business still back in the day Mm. and I heard you talk on this podcast, I would be reaching out in either Pennsylvania where the trustee business was located or Colorado where I I spent much of the last year. I'd be building the relationships now as a trustee with with anybody at the SBA that I could in the Mm. district office anybody at the SDBCs, because this is, and again, for you emerging professionals, David, who's only been hyped on this for a couple of years, has been asked and been able to say, well, I know this ESOP lawyer. Yeah, makes clear you're not recommending anybody, you can't, but we are all asked for that. And that's mm-hmm. the networking, that's the Boy, if I were an ESOP lawyer, if I were a valuation advisor, I'd wow. want a legitimate relationship with a David Hinkopey and your colleagues right. around the company. Not right. on BS. Right. Don't do a sales call to you. Right, right. Hey, have any questions? Right. Uh, you know, I'm willing yeah. to charge a lot. Blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But build the relationships. If you're looking to stand out, and again, I'm talking to the ESOP professionals or the advocates. If you're looking to stand out in how you network... Nobody has the relationships with the SBA, generally speaking, yeah. or the S- yeah. SBDCs. So, what a what a powerful way to start building your network.
0: I'll give you an example of how professionals, even though they're 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 for profit, they're in the business for themselves, work with us. So, this is a very normal thing. This happens across all 68 district offices. Earlier this year, in uh, in February, we're approaching uh, tax uh, season, and. We, me and my colleague had a, you know, taxes for small business owners, right? New small business owners, um, little workshop. And we did it at a place called LEDC, Latino Economic Development Center. They're a, a CDFI and they're an SBA lender. They participate in the SBA Community Advantage Loan Program. That's a, it's a kind of SBA loan. Um, and they're also an SBA micro lender, Uh, loans under $50,000. So I forget whose idea it was. I don't know if they called me or I called them because one of my jobs as as an economic development specialist is to get useful information out to business owners. And so we came up with the idea of having a workshop. Come round. On this day, at this time, we're going to do an hour and a half to two hours, depending on the number of questions there are, uh, on doing your taxes, small business loans, looking over your schedule. C. this is like really new small business owners, right? So this is what your schedule C is, profit and loss for business, blah, 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 how to do all this. Well, to get us to help that, my colleague has a friend who has an accounting firm. He calls her up and he says, hey, can you, can you come over and do this for us? Sure. She comes over. So we're there talking about the SBA, me and my colleague, my colleague's old acquaintance because he used to be a lender. He used to be a a, a commercial banker before he was at the SBA. So this is an old colleague, a colleague of his. She shows up. She does the bulk of the workshop. So what's to stop a trustee or an ESOP lawyer or a lender from coming to the SBA and say, Hey, How about we do a workshop on uh, succession planning for small business owners? Great. Let's do it. Here's a little secret. That's part of my performance measurement (laughs) as an EDS. My boss wants to know how much work am I doing in the community to bring this information out. So if somebody comes to me and says, let's do this workshop together. I have an idea for this and we talk about it and we think it's going to be useful and we think it's going to help people. Well, we're going to do it. So, you're appealing to my self interest in my own job, but also it's my job to do it. So, what's to stop, like I said, the trustee, or what's to stop the ESOP lawyer, what's to stop the lender who's interested in doing this, or the valuation advisor who's interested in doing this, going to the SBA district office, talking to an economic development specialist or a lender relations specialist, and saying, "Uh, hey, Michelle. You're a lender relations specialist. I know you're talking a lot to these uh, to these banks here, and I know one of these banks is really interested in ESOP loans. Well, guess what? Uh, I'm a valuation advisor. I specialize in valuations for ESOPs. Why don't we get to the, get together and do a workshop or something, or put some information out, or have a series of workshops, whatever? Just start
1: talking, David. I am so energized with this part of the conversation because. It checks off a couple of boxes, and what I'm going to say might get uh, some in organized EO a little bit mad at me, Mm. um, because it's the truth. It is very difficult. The reason I refer to emerging professionals as emerging professionals is they might be very talented as what they do, Mm. but it's tough to get speaking slots at at ESOP conferences Mm. for any of them. If you can get a slot, chances are you're not presenting with some of the national names, mm. that sort of thing. Mm. Just breaking through is really, really difficult. Mm. Here, if I were a lawyer, if I were a valuation firm, if I were a trustee at a large trustee firm, now we're talking about the number of clients. Mm. Imagine setting up a, a seminar, a webinar, mm. some sort of, of program for your existing clients. Mm-hmm. And hey, I'm an ESOP lawyer in this example. I'm gonna bring in a valuation advisor to talk for a minute. I'm gonna bring in a trustee to talk for a minute. And I'm gonna bring in somebody from the SBA who will talk about financing, yeah. not just for uh, let's do a transaction, but mm-hmm. to have that relationship available. Yeah. Because now we're going back to you also got the 504 long loans right. for fixed right. assets. Right. And if you have, you know, I'm focused on employee ownership, but if you're one of these firms that has, you know, multidisciplinary clients, mm-hmm. boy, the emergency loans would be affected. In other words, having yeah. the SBA come, right. we're trying to build employee ownership, yeah. but you're doing... If you're that service provider, what a value add for your clients while tying in the SBA. Mm. Suddenly now, let me take this a little bit further, and you're only in one district, so we're Mm. hoping to get all 68 districts involved, but your performance metric is improved because you're doing this. Meanwhile, if you have to explain to supervisors or your counterparts in other offices are explaining to their bosses what employee ownership is because they're spending the time. Right we're building it up through the inside of the sba which is huge right yeah if i if i were able to I think that
0: the pandemic has scrambled things a little bit but let's say for instance i were able to put on 10 workshops really short ones 90 minute workshops uh with uh, 15 people attending you know let's say 15 business owners attending if i did that in a year my boss would love me you know my boss would be thinking like, "Wow, he's really getting this done." And if that, and that, so let's ten times fifteen. Let's say that's one hundred and fifty. If you get three transactions out of that one hundred and fifty, that's a success. Because you know, most of the people who look into it, the business is not a good candidate. We're going to find that their cash flow is not enough. We're going to, or they're not going to be happy with the fair market value price that they have to accept. They want uh, the price that they would get from a strategic buyer, which we know they're not likely to ever get. But for whatever reason maybe you only got 3 out of 150 but that's that that could be substantial because that could be 3 companies with 40 or 50 employees each that's 150 jobs
1: it is the first of all you are correct the other thing that i'm very careful about with metrics like mm-hmm. that yeah. is first of all we and and Long before I did the podcast, I did some webinars and that sort of thing outside of the conferences, and I've just loved it. And for me, it really is, let me talk employee ownership to the masses. I don't care where, you know, I'd speak to 10 people uh, and just have fun. I got to tell you, and, and I don't want to jinx myself, but I would love post-pandemic to set up a program that perhaps is you, Project Equity, Steve Storkin, Mm. and talk about and and come on the podcast, whether we do it as a webinar or just a standalone episode, but having that conversation and raising demand. So David, there are district offices and and we've been going for a good bit. So Mm -hmm. I want to work towards winding down and the winding down will be anything else you choose Mm -hmm. to cover. But let's just talk for just a moment. Obviously, you're in the Washington district office. If somebody is in the district and you outline the counties involved, they by all means should reach out to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, How would they get in touch if somebody is hearing this and they're in Texas or they're somewhere else? Mm -hmm. What paths should they follow to get in touch with somebody at the SBA? uh, Or do they reach out to you and you direct them to the district office?
0: Well, every there's a district office. There's at least one district office in each of the States. Some States have exactly one office. Right, uh, some states have a district office and then a kind of satellite. So uh, Massachusetts, for instance, has a, a district office in Boston and then one in Springfield. Um, California has six district offices. Uh, Texas, I think, has five or six, and then some of the smaller population states. I think, I, th- uh, I think Missouri has exactly one office, for instance, uh, even though they're not that small. But, I was, but one of the Dakotas, for instance, has exactly one office. But every one of the states has a district office. So if you're in a smaller population state, whether it's physically a large state or not, if you're in a smaller population state, just search for and Google the district office Nebraska. And then whatever's available to you will be there. Go to that district office's uh, homepage, because the homepage will, will be listed in the search results. And there will be a little PDF with the office directory. And it'll have everybody from the district office director to the lowest person, you know, in the, in that hierarchy of that, of that district office, phone numbers and email address. All you got to do is email them. All you got to do is phone, is call them
1: and tell them what you're interested in talking about. And as they do this, I don't know if it would make you happy, but it would make me happy if they start by saying, Hey, I heard David Hinkepee on the ESOP podcast and I want to talk to you about employee ownership. Yeah. A, uh, doesn't hurt your metrics. No. B, uh, uh, spreads the word a little bit about the podcast. Mm-hmm. But that is the entree. And folks, if you're serious about building your business, and I'll be honest, when I sat down with this podcast, it was in my mind, uh, uh, what we'd really be talking about is increasing the interest from the, 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 the business owner mm-hmm. uh, and creating the demand for, for, for loans. Now, I'm just excited about what a great marketing networking opportunity. So reach out, build the relationships. Please, if you're the state center and you've already talked about Steve, man, I'd be getting the SBA and the SBDCs on board with the organization early on and have resources and that sort of thing. David, uh, we've run long, uh, probably a little bit longer than either of us have expected. You've been absolutely great. Let me open-ended uh, cover any paths that that you thought we should cover and we didn't get to.
0: No, uh, we covered everything. I just, I but I, I just want to repeat the thing about the owners. It's finding these owners. That's that's the big thing. Uh, um, I've mentioned them a couple of times because I admire so much the work that they're doing, Project Equity. You know, they're going straight to the, to the government institutions who will have, who can have potentially very close connections to business owners. Right? They're going to counties, they're going to cities. Uh, you know, business licenses are held at counties or cities. Right. So one of the right. ways they did their thing is they looked, they said, Well, let's see which one of these business and I actually spoke to the one of the guys doing their research on the first one with Long Beach. I said, How did what's the mechanics? What did you do? He said, Well, we went to the city and we said, Let's look at all the business licenses. How what how many of these business licenses are over 20 years old? Okay, let's find out. Are these the original owners? Let's find out. So we now have this data set of Potentially 200 business owners that we know have been in business for more than 20 years, and this is the original owner Let's go talk to them. So the owners. That's the thing that I want to repeat find these business owners somehow And let them know here's an option Because what we do know is most of them never find a buyer Most of them don't go to a second generation. The kids don't want to do it or nephews or nieces So they liquidate. Jobs are lost. And these owners who worked very hard for 20, 25 years don't get anything for this business.
1: And they don't get the money. Their legacy is ended. They don't have a company that lives on long after they do. And got to tell you, I've been to a lot of employee-owned companies where the founder might have died some years ago... But their picture is still in the lobby because, you know, they founded the employee-owned company. And
0: then the last thing, uh, I wanted to bring this up earlier, and and I'll I'll just mention this. So what happens when a really good business that could have been an employee-owned business doesn't become one? Have you heard of the Brokaw Act? No. So the Brokaw Act was uh, something um, introduced. uh, This was over four years ago. It got nowhere. Uh, U.S. Senators Tammy Baldwin and Jeff Merkley introduced uh, legislation to strengthen oversight of hedge funds that go around buying businesses because of what happened in the town of Brokaw. The Wausau Paper Company was bought up and then broken up into pieces. The hedge company made a lot of money. All those people lost their jobs. It created a ghost town. Literally a ghost town. So much so that the town of Brokaw dissolved and was annexed by a town, I don't know, down the interstate. Wow. This was in Wisconsin. So what would have stopped that? Maybe the owners of Wasau Paper Company sell to the employees as an ESOP? And a hundred-year-old company gets preserved And those people get to keep their jobs and their town and their and in this case, their town, the town disappeared. It does not exist anymore. It's been dissolved. That's not going to happen everywhere. I'm saying that's an extreme case of the worst thing that could possibly happen if you cannot find a buyer for the business who will keep the business open in that town. That's why I think this is really important work.
1: David, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, but that doesn't scratch the surface. You are such a bright and talented and passionate guy, and I am so grateful that you started your job at the SBA when they were too busy to give you formal instruction, and you, you happen to Upon uh, employee ownership. Dude, there are a lot of people in employee ownership rooting for you and the SBA to do well. There are a lot of people who are doing exactly what you're doing. And what another thing that just blows my mind is you summing up everything you're trying to say is where are the owners is exactly what so many of us have been trying to do. You know, me as a trustee, all of the advocates now, who am I talking to? It's all chasing the the owner. So we are all in this together. I do wanna just reiterate, there are great programs available at the SBA. They are not one size fit all. They may not fit into what you're trying to do, and that's okay. But if you're somewhere in the range where five million helps, Mm -hmm. the SBA is a great resource And as David went through, we've got to build the relationships between the local communities, the lenders, the SBA, and that's going to lead to more transactions. David, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Happy to do it. We'll have you on again. All right. Bye-bye. With that, we'll bring today's episode to a close. I'd like to give a special thanks to previous podcast guest, Rodney North, who not only suggested David as a guest, but was kind enough to make the introduction as well. Rodney's a great co-op specialist and a great resource to know if you're in that space. If you like what we're doing and want to support our work, it's really simple and it won't cost you a penny. Please subscribe to the podcast and like the podcast wherever you get your episodes. And if you're kind enough to repost or retweet about our podcast episodes, we'd be really grateful. Finally, if there's content you'd like to hear or a guest we should feature, please let us know. We're always on the lookout for great episode ideas. We're going through a lot in our country together right now. And in the best spirit of employee ownership, that's how we'll get through it. Together. Thank you so much for listening. This is Brett Kiesling. Have a great day.
0: We'd love to hear from you. To contact us, find us on Facebook at Keesop LLC and on Twitter at Esop Podcast. To reach Brett with one T, email brett at keesop.com, on LinkedIn at Brett Keesling, and most actively on Twitter at EO underscore Brett. Again, that's one T. This podcast has been produced by the Keysop Group. Technical assistance provided by Third Circle Inc. and Bitsy Plus Design. Original music composed by Max Keesling archival podcast material edited and produced by Brian Kiesling. And I'm Vitzie McCann.